Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we have with us today Tina Tarquinio, who is the Director of ZOS Development. And you have a really cool job, right? You're not doing just software or hardware. You kind of got both. Yeah, I have a lot of great stuff. So, um, yep, I'm Tina Tarquinio, and I am a director in the ZOS Development Organization. And just prior to this, just a few months ago, I was the offering manager for the newest model of the Z14, the ZR1. Um, so across that, I'm working pretty much on the entire mainframe uh, portfolio, which to me is super exciting and lots of amazing stuff. Hopefully, we'll talk about all of it today. Yeah. So well, let's start with this whole ZR1 thing. What What is that? Oh, so ZR1 is my favorite mainframe. I, I'm sure I'm biased. <laughs> yep, a little little partial. <laughs> well, it, yes, I, it, but it is my favorite mainframe. And so it's uh, physically different, an entire new system design from the ground up. Uh, the offering is a little bit different, the way we uh, released it into market and what we uh, plan and hope our clients will do, new and current clients. Um, so there's a lot of uh, interesting things about it. I'll start with the physical design. So. Right. Uh, mainframes up until then had been designed in a 24-inch rack. Uh, if you got a, an enterprise class system, you had two 24-inch racks. Um, these are big systems. Um, the ZR1 is housed in an industry standard 19-inch rack. Um, and under the covers, we redesigned uh, pretty much the real estate of all of the subcomponents so that they are aligned to a you know standard data center planning. So that means all the cables come out the back. Um, airflow aligns with hot cold aisles um, so it can really just fit into any data center so you don't have to plan anything special around it it fits on just two 19 inch floor tiles um, so it's really pretty incredible that we uh, cut the f- footprint of a single frame system by 40 percent but we increase the capacity by 10 percent uh, for a ZOS environment, over 50% for a Linux environment. So uh, dramatically increase the capability, shrunk the footprint. Um, and in doing that, we cut costs for ourselves. We lowered the entry price uh, for a system um, on both the ZOS and Linux side. Um, so really great stuff, um, especially if you think about clients who are uh, putting their systems more and more in co-located data centers, right? Less and less of our clients are becoming data center managers, right? Not everybody has the resources or time or inclination to run and manage their own data center, um, especially for maybe a disaster recovery environment. So if you're co-locating your systems at another place you're not managing, the easiest things you can do to like just get it in there, the better. And so that was one of the things we've done. Previously, we've introduced, uh, you know, water cooling or air cooling, right? So we've done all these things. You could have raised floor, non-raised floor options for cables coming in and out. So we've done all these things. This is just the last one in that to try and make it, you know, whatever, wherever you need to put it, you can put it. Um, So that was some of the reasoning behind the change in the floor design. So so it wasn't necessarily somebody saying, gee, I I really want to have a mainframe in here. I just, I just don't have the space. It's, it's a matter of fitting it into an industry standard type of uh, slot. Yeah. I mean, mainframes were always accommodated, you know, they were, um, you know, they were different size. They didn't fit into the, you know, way in air, you know, hot air, cold, uh, hot, cold aisles would be. Um, And so they had to be accommodated and we wanted to really like take that off the table as a discussion point. Um, And that's what we did. This must make it a lot easier to fit into, say, a cloud data center. As my grandma would say, from your lips to God's ears. Um, Absolutely, right? If you look at, um, you know, companies that are, you know, more and more specializing in cloud data centers or managed data centers, um, 
Right, this makes it a no-brainer. You can put it in, it fits right in with your landscape. You don't have to do anything special. You know, plop it right in there. Um, you know, we've always been energy efficient systems, right? And now our clients can take advantage of that even more. So ZR1, what's uh, that sounds like a, something pretty sporty. Like what's... Uh... <laughs> there is a fast car that also has the same model, ZR1. So mm-hmm. don't make sure you order the right one. Oh. <laughs> Price point's around the same for an entry model. So make sure you order the right one. <laughs> really? Um, so... Less color options on the mainframe, I'm assuming. Yes, right. Less color options on the mainframe. Uh, and the seating is probably not the same. <laughs> seating's definitely not the same. So cup holders. <laughs> well, we tried, but you know we shrunk the frame, so we so, had to cut those at the okay, last minute. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so the ZR1. So the IBM Z14 was introduced in uh, September of 2017 with five models, um, in- increasing capacity, and they were M models. And the ZR1 um, obviously doesn't fit that nomenclature. So why why the heck a ZR1? Um, so anybody that knows uh, mainframers, you know we love the letter Z. We'll stick it anywhere in any name. We'll even <laughs> you know be generous in our definitions to get the Z stuck in there. Um, and so internally, internally we had talked a lot about this was going to be the Z in the rack. We were going to for the first time we were going to put Z in a standard rack, um, and that kind of just started to stick, right? And so we wanted to have a different model name, um, and we wanted to have it mean something. Uh, you know, a lot of times our model names don't necessarily mean anything. And so we wanted it to have a kind of a story. Um, and so it became ZR1, Z in the rack for the first time. Ah. It seems, the, the way you're talking about it, it seems like a sea change. Um, are, are we going to expect to see everything from now on fit into this? Well, to be honest, that's been our strategy for a long time in the in the mainframe, uh, you know, brand organization. We've introduced new features or big capabilities for the first time in the smaller system, and then that's how we release it into market. We get good client feedback. We learn we learn early, um, and then and then we propagate that for the, for going forward. So the mainframe in the 19 inch rack is the first of its kind, but that's how um, you know the platform will continue. Um, you know, for a lot of the reasons I stated why it was important to move to the 19-inch rack um, to start with. But, you know, when we introduced parallel cisplex, when we introduced uh, non-race floor options or other things like that, we did them in the single frame first, and then we rolled them out, you know, for the, you know, generations to come. So this sounds like it's been like a long time coming. How much of the like how many generations back can we start seeing like you know maybe maybe like a modularized design or something like that to make it something that could be switched right so if you know um how we do mainframe development um we're always working on uh next and next plus one and there are a few special people that are working on next plus two um so we are constantly in this mode so zr1 actually had its very first prototype um, where we kind of took parts from other IBM platforms in 2015. So we took a rack, um, you know, from one of our storage uh, brands. It's this industry standard rack. So we also uh, manufacture that in Poughkeepsie. So we had parts kind of put together to say, could this even float um, in 2015? So if you think about where we are in 2019 looking forward, um, that's a vision, you know. Um, can we do it technically? We're filled with brilliant people at IBM that have, close to figure it out if we can uh, modularize. Um, and then the next, the much harder question is, should we? Is the business opportunity there? Does it make sense? Will our clients consume it that way? Um, we know a lot about the clients we have, um, and we're trying to figure out the clients that we want and will have, how will they consume it, right? And um, I think there'll be a major 
operational change once our clients figure out what how that operational change looks like. I think we all know we need to get there, but it's the, you know, how do we do that? Um, so I think that's the vision, right? In, internally, it helps us with how do we test, how do we do, um, you know, things like compliance at a smaller level so that we can make changes quicker to adapt to the industry. Um, with CR1, we introduced two two little baby steps in that direction. We introduced the ability to co-locate another element inside the rack. Um, so there's a feature that if you order it, there's uh, 18 U of sp- uh, 16 U of space, I'm sorry, 16 U of space that will be left un- unoccupied, and you can put in other data center components, common things are storage switches, um, but we've had a lot of clients get creative and think about, you know, other types of server, um, you know, those types of things that make sense for their application or their location. Um, and then the other thing we introduced on ZR1 was the ability to plug an NVMe card into the system on a Linux One. Um, so this is new for us. This is taking an external supplied part and plugging it into our PCIe connection. This mm-hmm. is brave new ground for us. And I think um, as an offering team, we were often having these first-of-a-kind discussions. Um, but that's how we'll be able to react quickly to something in the market without IBM having to design, develop, and produce it all on its own, right? Like, we do that at scale, but that takes some time. Um, you know, our, our our own I.O. cards are a good example. We don't introduce new ones of those every six months, but, mm-hmm. you know, we also need to be able to react. So you use the term NVMe. Oh. What what does that mean? So NVMe, I hope I get it right, is non-volatile memory express. Um, and it's it's a different kind of storage. It's a way to offload things that we, you would have done in memory, but you could do it on this card. It, it depends on your application, right? So a lot of new applications, especially Linux applications, are using NVMe. It's a low-cost storage option. Um, and we didn't necessarily have that available in, in our offerings, but it's becoming popular in the industry, and we, we really wanted to figure out how do we, you know, how do we react and merge what's happening out there with what we're trying to do in, in the mainframe. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on our availability, our reliability, our scalability, all those things, um, and we wanted to incorporate that back in um, versus saying, you know, we couldn't play there. You mentioned uh, that because this stuff is in a standardized frame, it makes uh, putting things on the floor easier. In the past, it was there was a lot of planning that a data center had to do before they could put one of these things on the floor. Is it, you know, 20% faster now, do you think? Or is, is there a way of saying it's a lot less work to get on the floor and you're going to do these things differently? Well, Certainly, like when you go forward and you're, um, you know, planning how, where are you going to place a new system on your data center, you look, you look at things. You know, where do we have to put the cutouts? How do we have to run the tiles? How much power do you need to have dropped there? What type of power? You know, that's like a standard checklist you would do for everything. So what we really took out of the equation was when the answer was different and you had to go down another path. Um, so now the answers are all like, yep, 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 instead of, oh, no, cable's got to come out the front and the back. Okay, let's you got to think about that separate. So we took that out of the equation. So now it should it should feel like any other data center planning. Are what's are the power requirements the same as far as what you have to run to it or is that um shrinking down? So we well, we changed the type of power, um but the actual power requirements have pretty much remained the same. Okay. Um as a mainframe organization, we really hold ourselves at the footprint and the power drop 
needed generation to generation don't change, right? That's our commitment on the, you know, the green front um, that we will, you know, never increase that and and we'll lower that. At the same time, we continue to increase capacity, usually by 10% generation to generation. So that's sort of the the bar we hold ourselves to internally. How hard was it to to take all that big stuff and cram it into that machine? I, I imagine engineers doing Tetris. Yeah. So actually, it's funny you say that. One of the early, uh, you know, uh, we should talk about the teaming at some point, but one of the early little gifts we had of our team was a Tetris. <laughs> and I think on launch day, um, the marketing team came up with a Tetris game and a ZR1 took the place of like, you know, what would have been like the four square. They yeah. had the ZR1 in that in that spot for the Tetris uh, gift. So we had to make some changes, right? Um, there were some things we could no longer support going forward, right? So we made some offering decisions uh, in terms of support of few, uh, previous uh, levels, you know, Crypto Express for us as a good example, not supported in ZR1. So we had to do some of that. Um, we are fortunate that, um, you know, we had to design from scratch the the IO drawers, for example. Right. So uh, it was creative. Um, you'll see that the IO slots are no, you know, they're, you know, in a different position than they were in previous systems. But I think it was the kind of problem that our engineers thrived on. I mean, people love to talk about the ZR1. People love to to say, like, hey, did you see how we did this? And, um, you know, like I said, we flipped the airflow. I mean, so if you open it up from the front, it looks pretty boring because now it's just the front of the fans and, you know. But now all the fun stuff's in the back, right? So (laughs) um, was that, like, party up, uh, you know, like like this up front party in the back? back. So so it was really fun. And Bill Kostenko, who's one of our IBM fellows, um, you know, early on was a part of that proof of concept when we started, you know, stealing parts from other areas of IBM to say, like, you know, could it work? Um, because we also had to hold ourselves to our standards. Right. And that is, you know, that it's, you know, it's, you know, zero downtime. Right. It's going to scale. Um, so all those things. Right. That make the mainframe so great capacity on demand. Could we still build in enough capacity to add it when you needed it? Um, all those things had to be like table stakes for us. Um, so I think this was a problem our engineers loved. And the door, the door uh, mimics the Z14 uh, larger system because it is still part of that family. Okay. So we still get like a cool looking door. You still be able to find the mainframe when you You walk. still get a cool looking door. <laughs> right. um, it's still kind of got like the boomerang looking cutouts with the blue mesh behind it. Um, so you still get a mainframe look look to it. Um, really, it has all the capabilities of a Z14 um, just in a smaller package. So I, I was surprised they didn't just take like a Z14 and send it through like that Willy Wonka <laughs> shrink thing. It seems like that would have been a whole lot easier, yeah, but what do I know? I'm just a guy. Well, the interesting thing is, right, we couldn't just really shrink everything because even uh, in the design, even the door swing, even all that had to be accounted for. And our doors as beautiful as they are, are very functional. So yep. they provide a lot of aspects in terms of the cooling and the circulation in the system. So John Torak is our industrial engineer, so he has a lot to do with the door. Um, should have him on. Yeah, I was yeah. just oh, thinking that. You should really. He's also the one that came up with the 3D printed little uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, mini mainframes. So all of that has to really make it work. Um, I was so, going to say, if you shrunk down an Ethernet port, <laughs> people probably wouldn't be happy about that. Yeah, right. I, was, I was thinking about the, the I.O. drawers, because that, that was always kind of a big part of, yeah. of, of the box. So the I.O. drawers are a little taller than they were before. They're certainly a little less wide. <laughs> um, and we still have the ability to hold four I.O. drawers, so you can still get 
an incredible amount of I.O. Um, you know, memory goes up to 8 terabytes. So the things we did on the, the Z14 that was introduced prior, we increased memory, we increased I.O. Like, we did all that on the, the ZR1. We just really had to make – in the beginning, we had to make some decisions in terms of support. You know, we weren't going to carry forward some of the items. Um, but then it was really kind of a big Tetris game, like you said. And it's, I mean, again, I'm biased. It's, to me, it's <laughs> right. beautiful, my most favorite mainframe. But um, it really is incredible. And the, the the coolest thing is when you show it to the clients and they're like, no way. That's <laughs> like, you know, it's so fun. Um, and I think the way our team worked that got us to that point um, you know, made it a fun journey. But I, I think like anything in IBM, because on top of all this amazing things that I said the system has, you would have thought, well, you must have taken a long time to do that. No way. We had to deliver it um, in less time than we normally introduce a single-frame system. So yearly, usually we would have a yearly cadence. We would introduce the high-end system and then a year later the single-frame system. Um, but we were challenged to do all that and to deliver it even sooner than before. So we delivered it about eight months after the GA of the other Z14 models. There was a lot of reasons for that, um, mostly market-driven. You know, the market really needed this, um, and there were some opportunities we wanted to take advantage hmm. of in the market. Um, and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to bring the brand closer together, so to have the Z14 models come into market together. So we did all that amazing stuff with less time. Um, which I think speaks to like you know the amazing IBMers we get to work with every day. But so how do you, how do you you know how do you make that happen? <laughs> well, I think like um, I, I worked with uh, somebody named Nick Sardino, who I'm sure you know, who's mm -hmm. a, a really great person, and he was part of our Z14 team. Um, and we would often talk about like you know the success of Z14 and ZR1. And Nick said something that is stuck in my head always, and he says I think when you look back in 20 years. The things that made Z14 really great isn't necessarily pervasive encryption or the 19-inch rack. It was the group of people that were working on them. And so that sticks in my head all the time because I think he's absolutely right that the people we worked with um, are brilliant. All the IBMers are brilliant. So put that – that's like our starting point. Um, you know, I really challenged us at the beginning of the – of the offering team when, you know, when I was first named and I said like, okay, we're, you know, we, we have to make it smaller. We got to come out sooner. Oh, by the way, we have to cut the cost of the system. Like, and nothing we have right now will fit. So. <laughs> right. And we got to design everything from scratch. No big whoop. Um, I said, you know, um, you know, we have three things we're going to, you know, here's our charter. We're going to make a transformational system. We're going to make things simpler for ourselves and our clients. And we're going to have fun. And, I'm not a shy person, and I was adamant that, like, if we were going to be spending all this time together and do this amazing thing, that we were going to have fun doing it. We were going to be respectful, but, you know, life's too short, right? We were going to have fun. And so um, internally, we have uh, code names for our projects until they become, you know, they, they have their birthday and they become real. Um, <laughs> And so I changed the code name uh, from being just a subset of the previous code name. I changed the code name. We had a voting session. What would be the right code name? Hmm. Um, in this time period, we were centering in on um, Greek gods, so we had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> um, and I made it our own. Um, well, those of you listening can't see, but <laughs> Jeff and Frank can see. I came up with our own logo, right? So it's similar to the Z14 logo, but it's got clouds, right? This was going to be a new kind of system made for the cloud computing error. Um, you know, I, I just made sure to share all the information I was getting from our clients. Um, and, you know, we did design thinking really for the first time. And 
underpinning all this, we had switched to the offering management discipline. So we had sort of a shift change in how we were approaching things. Um, and to me, it was just really important that like we we succeeded as a team. And I think, um, I, and I was only one person, so I gave a lot of people a lot of leeway to go lead where they were the expert. And I think, you know, all of that wrapped up into what was, you know, the ZR1. You talked a little bit about offering management and and it was it points to the question I was about to ask, which is how did you decide what you were going to leave out and what you were going to put in? So it comes back to really like market data. So, um, you know, we're in the business to make money. Right. So we really had to look at. What was the market opportunity? What were our clients using or not using, right? We have a lot of function in the system. Were they using all of it? Were there things we could bridge them to that would satisfy their requirements otherwise? Um, so a lot of market data, which, you know, as a math and comp sci major, right, the, the data part <laughs> early on was really fascinating because the offering management sort of has this big arc. In the beginning, you're looking big picture, dreaming. What can we do? What's possible? you know, what's needed, what could be successful in the market. And so you're gathering like all this gods of data and you're talking to clients. And so you're doing all this. And then at some point the arc switches and it gets into like, you got to get it done mode. And like you've defined your offering and you've got your GA date and then it switches to like execution. We got to get it point done. Point of no return. Right. Yeah. Like we got all hands on deck. We got to get it done. So in the beginning, when you're, when you're doing all that, you know, it's really all about your clients, right? So it's, and it's a great role. You get to talk to all the people in the field, our, you know, our client-facing teams, our clients, our business partners. You look at industry trends. Um, you look at all of that and, and you say, like, okay, like, where's where can we make a trade-off here? Um, because, like I said, we were, you know, we were being asked to lower our, our, you know, our cost of materials, right? So, you know, we were trying to balance all of these things. Um, and that's where we ended up with you know, what was included with the ZR1. And we wanted to make sure we included more things too. Like could we wanted to make sure we could have more more memory in the system. Okay. So all of those, um, you know, and you go back and forth, right? I would go to Bill Kostenko or, or John Turek and they would say like, you know, you shrunk the system, right? Like <laughs> you can't do that. And I would say, are you sure? I really think. Um, so it would just be a lot of back and forth. And, but it all comes back to like, you know, the market data really. Well, you mentioned also that um, there were some design thinking activity. Is that something that you did with clients mostly? or um, A lot of clients. Um, we did some fun sort of things internally, like I said, when we were voting on the code name, but a lot of design thinking with clients. So a good example I always point to is this ability um, you know, to have other components in the system. So way back when, um, you know, when the, when the ZR1 was just, you know, a figment, they had this idea. Oh, a figment's here. <laughs> they had this idea that um, we would just have a hardened offering and we would put storage in the frame with the compute power and that would be it. Like that an appliance type thing. Yep. We would put the, we would put a, a specific storage in the frame with the compute and that would be it. It'd have its own model, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started to talk to our clients about that and – of course, like anything you want to prescribe, everybody's like, well, I don't use that storage or, but I want this storage or, but I want more here or more there. And we started to realize it would be a big investment on our part to harden the offering when it wouldn't meet the needs of everybody and it seemed limited. And um, and we don't do well when we prescribe um, our offerings. We've tried storage that. Storage especially, like with, yeah. that, that jumps all over the place. Right. And um, 
Right. We've tried in the past to prescribe an offering in terms of you get this this thing with this thing and this thing, and then everybody says, oh, but I want you know pink and not blue or orange and not purple or whatever. So I wanted to make it less investment on IBM's behalf, but I wanted to make it more flexible for our customers. And so um, this idea of, well, could we just have a reference architecture was really how it came up. I remember walking into Ray Newsom's office, who's... Uh, an offering manager on the hardware team saying like, well, what if we just told them like what the rules are and they could put whatever they wanted, but like, here's the rules. It can't weigh more than this. It can't take more power than this. It has to have these air. Like, couldn't we just tell them like follow the rules and put the stuff in? And that's really how the feature came about. Um, and then we went to all of our business partners who help us sell this stuff. And we went direct to clients and said like, what would you do? And that was really the beginning, but that was a lot of, that was a lot of design thinking. We had some designers on board and we went through this whole process and to me, we made a major pivot. It's been wildly successful. Almost 30% of the systems that have shipped have indicated that they want that space reserved. So to me, that's great. Adoption of our new features don't always take off that quickly. Um, so to me, that's a great success. Storage is the obvious thing clients are leaning towards. Um, and I had initially thought it, smaller clients would want to do it. People who needed a smaller environment, you could kind of get your data center all in one. What we learned was the appetite for an appliance type was pretty big. And some of our biggest clients were looking at it to create the infrastructure they needed at a smaller scale in a new geography. Hmm. So if you think about a payment processor, like a credit card payment processor, um, there's a lot of rules beyond GDPR, but in other countries where the, you know, the transactions can't leave the country or the data can't leave the country. Um, and this was a way for them to invest in a new market and get the capability that they already have with their applications already worked on, but a smaller footprint where they could put it in another data center they're not running. So to me, that was like, oh, hadn't thought about that market. So it's been some neat things happening from it. Cool. You, you mentioned that there are customers. So uh, people are buying this, obviously, without talking about numbers, because you're the math major, not us. <laughs> um, it, this is obviously your favorite mainframe. Is it other people's favorite mainframe too? It has been wildly adopted in the field. Uh, so, so all great stuff there. So we've had really great success with our existing clients migrating to this, which is what we want, right? Hardware currency is the biggest predictor of attrition on the platform. So hmm. uh, a lot of our, our current clients have moved forward. Um, so that's great stuff. New clients on the platform um, – We've we've had uh, I will say double digits new clients on the platform um, because of the system, right? It's opened up some new conversations. So um, you know we had a record number of shipments on GA Day. We um, we beat our revenue targets. We beat our shipment targets. So we really um, had a successful launch, and not just the first quarter, right? The first three quarters um, have all been you know have exceeded our expectations. So I would say it's certainly high on everybody's mainframe list if oh, it's not great. their favorite. Is 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 there um, uh, people using it primarily for Linux or people using it for primarily for ZOS? Well, if you look at our overall client base for mainframes, over half of our mainframe systems have IFLs or Linux LPARs installed. So um, we've been on the Linux chain for a little while. Our newer clients are certainly focused more on the all Linux space. Um, existing clients, mostly ZOS with some Linux. Um, that's pretty much the mix that's carried forward into the ZR1 space. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about the design thinking came to my head. So when I first started in the role in the beginning of uh, 2016, um, you know, you get thrown into the mix right away. And so I was giving client briefings on the current platform and then the futures. And one of those clients was the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Um, they ended up 
loving the briefing and then we followed on with some more discussions we interviewed them for the flex frame feature they became a sponsored user then they became in the esp program and then they became a client reference on ga day so to me this was like through and through you know this was with our clients for our clients right so um that was to me one of the wins right that that you know we've always been really connected to our clients but design thinking i think has given us even more uh free reign to go you know, partner with them earlier and earlier and talk about the what ifs. And so to me, that's the kind of thing we need to do more of. So so we, we've we've had mainframes that were like the size of like a deli counter, you know, like <laughs> the Mad Men days. And we've had mainframes the size of a refrigerator. And yeah, I guess we're doing a food theme theme here. Uh, now with the ZR1, um, when can I get one that'll like fit into like my overhead luggage compartment? Is that like a Z25, oh, 27 boy. frame? I don't know. Or? It won't be the next one. Okay. All right. <laughs> one's going to stay at the uh, water cooler. Right. Water cooler is, is the ZR1 a water cooler size. I don't know. Maybe like a foldable design. There you go. Like so I, it won't be the next one, but I think eventually you'll you'll have to see modularization. I think that's just, you know, eventually going to happen. Right. Have you seen much in the change of, because you mentioned about like the, the uh, which I think is a fantastic addition, the that like you know eighteen U of of space where yeah sixteen U sixteen yeah. okay we'll get there yeah sixteen U where you can you know put the thing that you know you knew you were going to have to connect anyway is is you said it's primarily storage but are people like what are some other things people are doing with that people are looking at it I think um, store when you put storage in there it's kind of a space saving play obviously. Um, when you put another kind of component in there, you start to get to like the appliance look. And so there's been some what other types of compute makes sense to co-locate with your application that kind of create an appliance or an accelerator acceleration of some sort. Um, those have been the other types of things we've seen, right? Or um, we've also seen storage and switches together, like a little bit of a data center in a box mm-hmm. kind of thing. There is a model of tape that actually would fit in there. So you really could get like a DR in a box. Um, but I would say that the other thought is really the appliance, analytic appliance. What could we do there? Um, that's mostly what we've seen. Um, I will say that we have some uh, companies, if you think about like distributors or large retailers that have distribution centers, um, they usually have a mainframe in each of those distribution centers um, that runs their operations, right? So. I think that was another use case that we saw that they could do just not like the data center in the box, but they could start to do some different types of analytics locally. Edge, you know, you could kind of think of it as like an edge data center type of thing. So those are some of the things we've seen. Cool. Well, we're getting kind of close to the top of the hour here. So I want to thank you, Tina, for coming over and talking. This has been really awesome. Thank you very much. And we don't have any other announcements. Well, we actually we do want to say thank you to everyone who, uh, you know, rated the podcast. That yeah, thanks for helps. Rating, guys. Yep. Uh, and this episode will be coming out the first day of Share. Share, yeah. I know. I, I won't be there. Well, I will. And we're going to have to have somebody who takes your place there. Right. And if you are at Share and you see Frank walking around – with a little recorder, handheld recorder, uh, he's he's looking for people to to talk to. So please feel free to walk up to him, however busy he looks, um, <laughs> especially if he's in the middle of eating, and just say, "I'd like to talk about the mainframe to you." Yeah, that would be awesome, actually, to get to get something a little bit different. Yeah, we're going to put together a little, you know, uh, man on the street recording episode. <laughs> it should be pretty pretty interesting. Oh, I'm glad you said man on the street and not old man on the street. We could do that too. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Old Man Charlie, please run us out.
You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.